0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Typically, I focus my shows on a single issue, but today I find myself with a difficult but happy problem. I have a guest and a co-host who are brilliant, original and contrarian on a wide range of topics. Billionaire investor and author Ken Fisher started with $250 and built a $100 billion money management firm. And to get a clue as to why he's been so successful, look to some of his book's titles. The Only Three Questions That Still Count, Debunkery, and Markets Never Forget But People Do. Also joining me today to co-host is author and economist John Tamney, old friend, and many-time guest. He's director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks and is the editor of Real Clear Markets. John's contrarian book titles include The End of Work and Who Needs the Fed? So in a bit of a departure, we're going to have a wide range discussion on investing, philanthropy, Donald Trump, forced management, populism, and life success strategies. A bit more about Ken Fisher. Ken founded Fisher Investments in 1979 and a CEO built it into one of the world's largest money management firms. His Forbes Portfolio Strategy column was the longest continuously running column in the magazine's history. He pioneered the investment analysis tool called the Price to Sales Ratio, which is now a core part of financial curriculum. Ken's principal hobbies are lumbering, lumbering history and Western conifer tree science. And along the way, without really aiming at it, Ken joined joined the Forbes 400 list as the 200th richest American. Ken, John,
1: thanks for having me here. And John,
0: I think you also pointed
1: out he was the richest Forbes columnist. Ken is easily the richest Forbes columnist in history. (laughs) I think right here. So well, you wrote a column. Lots of superlatives. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start
0: with the topic on everybody's mind all the time, everywhere: Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, We were talking before the show. He's uh, I think he's misperceived by a lot of people when they think that the man that people see standing in front of the camera talking to uh, a sports arena is the same guy that sits in the Oval Office. Ken, you've got some thoughts about that.
2: Well, it's not really thoughts, it's just observations. Uh, Trump has a quality that anyone that's actually kind of known him a little bit or more understands, which is that if he's in a group like here today with us just a few people and we're just talking uh he's a very different persona than the one you see if he's on television or in front of a big crowd doing one of his rallies or whatever the person that you see in a private interaction and everyone that i've ever known that's had these private interactions with him knows this is a good listener Mm -hmm. is well behaved asks great questions and people like, I have watched him go from that environment of a few people in that conversation out the door mm-hmm. to go see 300 people and like a light switch kind of put on the Donald act. And I can't really get inside of his head to understand how and why that happens. But when he walks back from that crowd. He then becomes again the person that's in the room. Uh, You interviewed uh, um, uh, Steve Moore. Steve Moore. Yeah, Steve had that experience. uh, Has had that experience. Uh, He listens. Yes, he listens. He asks questions. He's actually thoughtful. He, I I like to say that in public he comes off as this kind of loutish character. And I don't know this to be true this is an opinion not a mm-hmm. fact uh i think that's a kind of a behavior that he believes works for him in politics uh yeah. well he lights up an arena that's for sure well
0: I, I had that same experience i was at a rally uh on the foot foot steps of the capitol three years ago when he 2015. thousands of people around and i i knew him from a previous uh, from my previous world of finance and i I brought up a topic, and all of a sudden, the thousands of people disappeared. And we had a very private and intimate conversation. I mean, intimate. it was, it was, it was talking about a friend of ours who died recently. And he was very moving about that, totally taking everything uh, that was surrounding us out of, out, of, uh, out of the frame and focusing just on the conversation. And then, time to go on,
1: click, bam, he's out there being the Donald. I don't know, John, what do you... I'd be curious along those lines, was that your initial reaction to Trump? Did you read him as that right away, or did it, did it take time to see, oh, yeah, here's the rhetoric, and then there are different, different uh, results coming from the, that are actually very polar opposite to the rhetoric? So uh,
2: my perceptions of him kind of precede the mass rhetoric, and my perceptions of him, and I tell this to people all the time, Whether you love him or hate him, of which we got lots of people to do both, uh, rather obviously, um, you're going to be better off yourself if you just ignore everything he says in public and only focus on what actually ends up happening. Mm -hmm. That is, what what so many people want is a president to behave in what they consider traditional matters uh, in ways that presidents have behaved in the past. Uh, it's perfectly obvious that that's not who uh, President Trump is and, and isn't going to be. And so if you take the sort of uh, sort of traditional Republican establishment, gentlemanly behavior persona that uh, was uh, never supposed to call anyone else a name or any of those kinds of things, um, and you're looking for that, you're not going to get it. Yeah. And in reality, uh, he's a form of an attack dog. Uh, in public and whether you you, you take all the tweets, if you just ignore what he says in tweets and focus on what ends up happening, you're either going to like him or hate him based on that stuff. And I, I know this because he's told me this. Uh, I mean, he told me this before he was president that if he ended up after four years, having done things that most people thought of were good he mm-hmm. believed he'd be reelected, and he, he didn't define exactly what all those things were but he said if I, if I end up doing things that after four years most people they're going to forget about everything other than, yeah. the, than the good things and my advice to people whether you're uh, somebody that likes his politics or dislikes his politics whether you're liberal whether you're conservative whether you're republican whether you're democrat doesn't really matter my advice to people is Ignore the tweets, because 20 years from now, people aren't going to be paying attention to that much, and it doesn't really impact people's lives unless you want it to impact your life, and focus on what the outcomes are, because that's the part that really matters.
0: Well, as uh, I think somebody wrote some time ago, his enemies, they take him literally, but not seriously, and the people support him take him seriously, but not literally, and so you push past the
2: tweets. I, I, I'm not, I, I, I mostly agree with that. I think there's plenty of people that support him that say the following, and I think you know this to be true. Yeah. I wish he was like this instead of the way he is. And my point is I think that's a waste of time wishing. Um, you know, Gingrich makes this point uh, that uh, he, he calls rabbits. I don't know if you've heard the Gingrich rabbit analogy. that that Trump likes to throw out rabbits and by that what Gingrich means is Trump throws out a rabbit and all those people that get excited are like hounds and they can't stop themselves from chasing the rabbit and they go down chasing (laughs) the rabbit down the path well that frees the president to go over here and do this whatever it is and that he does (laughs) these things often intentionally or unintentionally and I can't I don't try to predict these things. He does these things to purposefully have the hounds go chase the rabbits. Now, that would include his perception of the media. That would include his perception of his opponents. Uh, He, he, if, if you'll pardon this phrase, I mean, he drives his opponents batshit crazy. And I believe he wants to. Because when you're batshit crazy, you're not as effective. You're worked up and you're emotional. But I don't believe, I may be wrong about this, but I don't believe um, AOC could be the attention grabber and that the Democrats could go as far to the left as they've been going if it were not for him driving them to believe that whatever they do doesn't matter because of the perception of the extremity of him i believe i believe that's a tool that he believes works to his advantage
0: well and he also i i i think he uses the tweets strategically to change the subject there'll be a there'll be a media rage over a particular topic one day and then he tweets something else and then they go running off to uh so, so, pursue so, the new uh, the so new Bill, uh, let's, outrage
2: let's let's think about that a different way <clears throat> so i don't know that he has any particularly accurate way to do that and He might do it well sometimes and not well other times. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you believe that, which I believe, that it's kind of like that Newt Gingrich rabbit thing, uh, then you say to yourself, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I don't try to predict that. I don't think there's any way to know that. He is a unique phenomena to date in American politics. I find it fascinating that when you actually think of the 2018 midterms, that we haven't actually seen other major candidates attempting to emulate any of his tactics, Mm. the big rallies, the social media, the way he did them. I mean, his 2016 campaign had a lot of unconventional features that worked, uh, and people don't much talk about those. Uh, You know, the last 72 hours in Michigan were... For him, a breathtaking event mm-hmm. set of events, I should say, and nobody anticipates those things, and I don 't see anybody else imitate those things. I find it fascinating that nobody imitates and I go back to this point that I've said to John, uh, which is that humans are slow to learn, and trump's modality is sort of a new modality on the political scene in America in terms of strategy and tactics and campaign managers and what have you are still kind of stuck in their ways he's he's had some big successes in campaign activities that people still don't kind of say gee i wonder if i should try to do that one that one there that i bet i could do that
0: well that's that's stylistically true but it's also hard to imagine anybody else getting away or doing what he does he's you know 10 years 15 years on the reality tv show gives you a certain touch that most politicians lack there are a lot
2: of people that have got a celebrity from TV and couldn't pull off that stuff. Well, that's, that's true.
0: But they also didn't build Trump Tower, so he's got those two things going.
1: Yeah, John. What if Trump had run as a, 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 on a platform, you're getting robbed by that dollar that, that the US Treasury is constantly weakening. Your paychecks don't stretch as far because they've got tariffs on certain goods. Uh, these regulations, you're asking the untalented to police these businesses. My question is, is if he had run with his personality as a libertarian, do you think he still wins? Did the personality win or the policies win, I guess is my question. I,
2: I, I personally believe he did a very good job in 2016 of saying, here are some issues where I can get people to be excited about that people before didn't much get excited about and those people didn't go and vote. And I can appeal. But a lot of his tactics were just brilliant. I mean, the, the part where in rallies, he would get people to take a picture and do social media to 30 of their friends, and you, you get 30,000 people there, and they communicate to 30 of their friends, what, that's better than being on an I mean, TV show. What's your sense
0: of how deep his beliefs run? I, I don't know. In, I was in the camp that thought that he'd picked up the conservative playbook talking points and maybe some of the social conservative talking points, for example, uh, abortion or whatever, and was using those to get elected, but I wasn't, we weren't sure what would happen after he won, whether he'd stay on those policies. And it turns out he did, he has, and he's brought about all the things that he said, not all, but a lot of the things he said he was going to do.
2: I never try to predict him. I don't believe I have any capability to predict him. I believe I have an ability to observe what actually ends up happening, and and that's why I don't get carried away with trying to take a tweet, and then from that yeah. extrapolate to an action because I just don't believe there's anything there. Well,
0: we we you know we were trying we were trying to predict him, and uh, uh, most of us weren't sure whether he was going to follow through and he has so i think that's something that's going to work for him in 2020.
2: well surely that's true in this way if you just think through the 2016 campaign uh, there was almost no one uh in congress that supported him they were all you know absolutely of the view that he was going to be a down ticket disaster yeah and in fact he was not a down ticket disaster in 2016 and in fact now lots of them because of exactly what you said bill most of them do support him. So he has support bases he didn't used to have. Uh, The the question that you have to wonder when you look at 2020 in a different way, and I don't know the answer to this, is those that kinda never voted for anybody because they didn't really see a candidate that mattered to them but voted for him, do they still feel that way truly? And I don't believe you can measure that correctly. We oh. won't find that out until 2020. No, that's true. Uh, but
0: but I mean, in, in terms of your, our world, which is the investing world, I, mean, I believe he's been good for markets, good for business, good for investing. Uh, what's your view?
2: So people, in my opinion, always want to put too much blame or credit on presidents. I don't believe presidents are as important as people think they are. I, I do, do I believe they're unimportant? No. But do I believe they're as important as most people think they are? The way I view investing kind of starts with a global top-down view. I don't believe that America as 23% of global GDP really can go a different direction from the rest of the world. And I believe the world tends to go in a direction and I tend to think of almost all things global first and that America, the biggest and the best country, still fits into that puzzle. So do I think things are going pretty darn well? Yes. For example, there's way too much focus on things like the U.S. Central Bank without actually getting the concept that the U.S. Central Bank is a player in a global monetary world, and that it's the global monetary world that really matters, not so much the Fed. That the Fed's a player, but it's a secondary player to the global totality. And I I think people miss that. They want to put too much emphasis on the president for good or for bad.
0: Well, the president does, We talk, there, there's monetary policy you just mentioned, there's fiscal policy, tax regulation, so on and so forth. He's done some good things on on taxes, not small steps, not something large. Regulation, he's chipping away at. He's, he's appointed some good judges that would be supportive the, the, the of main, market. The,
2: the, 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 if you are a conservative, the main thing you're really going <clears> to <throat> like is his judicial picks and his successful judicial picks, mm-hmm. part of which was set up by Chuck Schumer, of course.
0: Well, he helped with it. We got rid of the uh, nuclear option. Yep. Yeah.
2: Without without Chuck Schumer's help, Mitch McConnell couldn't have done what Mitch McConnell's done, and that was, of course, unintentional. But the reality is, uh, at this point in time, uh, when you look at the federal benches, there's never been this high a percentage of replacement by any president ever, and most conservatives would say that the picks have been. Pretty darn good.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the I think he's done which something else, which lasts a else. long, I, lasts a I, long I, I time. I think I think just the rhetorical leadership he's provided for the private sector, for the business community, for entrepreneurs has been terrific. Let me let me because argue. We, we, we we went through eight years where entrepreneurs w- were were told you didn't build that.
2: Yeah, but let me let me let me argue against the benefit of the president in, in that regard. An awful lot, not all, but an awful lot of what you believe the president's done that's good. The next president can just as quickly undo, assuming that he has a little bit of help from Congress. But if we get a president that wants to go the other way, uh, all of the executive order stuff and what have you goes back the other direction if they want to. If that president wants to, the president, th- th- this president's done things that a conservative would like, many of which, if. Let, 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 let me describe... It cuts both difference. ways. Well, yeah, but, but,
0: it it's, it's, but, but what you're... I agree. I mean, I think Richard Nixon said the problem with politics is there's no permanent victory, is that you win, you win one election, then you've got to go right back and fight let's, the next one. Yeah, it can be undone, let,
2: but... Let's, let's, say, let's say you're um, a conservative, and you hoped that the president would effectively drain the swamp, a campaign discussion. Uh, if you think about it the way I would envision a swamp, and I, I actually had this conversation with John back in the day, if you've got a swamp and you want to drain it, you need to bore in some big holes with screens so they don't clog up. And, and you can't actually see what those holes are that have been drained. If if you're a conservative, what, what I said, which hasn't, uh, that if, Trump was to actually drain the swamp and of course you don't hear that talk drain the swamp much anymore but if the president was to actually drain the swamp he needed to take a few big categories and make some big holes in that swamp and let a lot of water go out and in fact we haven't really seen that big action
0: well that's that's the problem with metaphors i mean you can describe this place as a swamp and then you dig into it what's that really mean somebody explained to me that You want to think about what the swamp is think about that couple you know that lives in arlington and she works for the epa and he works for the justice department they've got three kids they're 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 kids in little league baseball and they're nice people that's the swamp and you've got hundreds of thousands of people millions of people depending on this thing there are all these human relationships that are not going to get changed and i don't know where you drill the hole It's very hard to do that.
2: So the way you would drill the hole is when he had both chambers of Congress, you would have passed legislation and signed it that said, I'm making this up. We take Department X and we gut their budget by you know this big number, right? You you pick where you want to bore the hole. That's not my issue. But we're going to take the Department of such and such and take it from X down to 20% of X. And we're going to do it in right now, right here. And in fact, you, you, you don't see any of that. You, you, but, but let me go back to, and I, I usually don't like to be very critical of people very directly um, in, unless they're a, a politician or a convicted felon, uh, of which we have plenty to choose from. But um, Peggy Noonan wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal in the last month that I just thought was one of the dumbest pieces that I've seen. Um, and, and, and I don't say that lightly. This is, this is one where she wrote how there's all these uh, old sort of barons of... Did you see this piece? <laughs> yeah. The old Sa- barons Sa- Sa- of... Uh, Sarah,
0: my wife, is off camera, and she exploded <laughs> when she read that. That was just, these that old, was just the dumbest and, and,
2: article and, ever. <laughs> and he had this opportunity to win over the old barons of Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. And you sit there and you say to yourself... How do you win over (laughs) the old barons of Washington, D.C., and hope to claim continuity of a base that sent you to D.C. to drain the swamp? Yeah. Because those people are inherently... She describes sort of the uh, former retired 80-year-olds hanging around having lunch in their clubs and at uh, designated restaurants. And... (laughs) and and he's why why did why do you need to win them over number one and number two if you won them over the things you'd have to do to win them over would disenfranchise that um harley davidson motorcycle rider that never voted well, for anybody before but came out of the woodwork in he, 2016 to vote he would for have Donald captured Trump.
0: he would have captured the jeb bush vote yeah, or exactly. maybe the Mitt romney vote exactly about 35%, 40%. <laughs> if that. Something like that. Something <laughs> yeah, that like was, that. But I
1: wanted to interview her in response and say, please name me these people who are talking about Zbig at the club. It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever read, and it was wholly counter to what, to what Trump was supposed to be about, uh, which leads to me. Here's okay. Wait, to, but, but, but if you go back to Bill's point, John,
2: the man gets elected, and a lot of people said, we don't really know what he's about. So maybe he is going to be about trying to do that or some other thing. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is, I go back to if you're looking at 2020, he's got to put together, he can get new voters he didn't have before or not. But he's got to have a harder time if he loses those voters that he had before. And all of everything you read about him says that he's done a pretty good job of holding on to his base even when he's not popular. Mm-hmm but you went over the it's really hard in my opinion to win over those the people sheep Peggy Noon was talking about in that article and hold on to your base
1: and you're not going to uh, it, it's I once explained it to a writer who said I want to convince people on the left and I said if he, if North Korea versus South Korea doesn't convince you don't think this op-ed you're writing right now is going to change the the debate you know you're trying to you're trying to win over the people maybe on the edge, but you're not going to win over the extremes. And he wasn't going to win over these people who talk about Zbigniew Brzezinski. It was just the most ridiculous thing. It just, so leads to my one question, two businessmen right here. I always had a problem back in the Obama years. Well, Obama doesn't like business enough. And my reaction was, well, it's not the president's job to like business. And uh, it kind of getting to your point, I'm concerned this cuts both ways, all this executive power, all this deregulation. Trump's doing this, Trump's doing that. I'm a bit terrified. He's not president. There will come a day when someone is like him who has the exact opposite view. And are we setting ourselves up for some unhappiness based on, or is, is he sui generis?
2: I don't know what the answer to your question, John. I mean, <laughs> the, I, I got a great answer for it, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 the reality of most politicians traditionally is they're not very original and, uh, you, everyone knows that. And will there be a Democrat who is able to go there? Most of the time, the people that appear out of nowhere, like a, um, Ms. AOC, uh, are going to flame out long before they ever get to that level. Uh,
0: I think of her as the Sarah Palin of the left. I, I don't. She was the darling no. Sarah Palin. Remember when she came out, uh, Charles Murray said, "Just he's, he's deeply in love, and she took everybody, and then it disappeared. I,
2: I, I, don't, I, I don't have a prediction for any one person, but generally most of these people that pop sure. up out of nowhere, before they could yeah. ever get to that <laughs> level, they flamed out. And, and as a general rule, if you had to be playing stats, you'd say... It, it takes a very, I mean, just there, there is no question any way you define it that Trump's been unusual. I mean, he's the first guy that's ever elected president that wasn't, wasn't a military guy or previously a long-term elected politician. A guy runs for office out of nowhere and wins. Does it being outspent two to one? If you just put kind of those numbers in front of people, people would say, that'll never happen. And that's what they did say. That'll never happen. Uh, so it would take someone, I think, on the other side, which might happen, that's pretty unusual. Could that happen? Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, what people fear from the right or from the left is sort of the, the rise of a future rightist or leftist Adolf Hitler. That's the, that's the fear that Nancy Pelosi is trying to inspire this last week when she says that if he loses the election in 2020, he won't leave office. You're trying to, the end of democracy, as we know it, the end of our civilization, the rise of a conservative Hitler. Um, But the reality of getting someone to be unusual enough to do that, that's that's pretty unusual. And I I just don't know the answer. I just don't know. Uh, You know, you have to hope. I I go back to the prior point that I said to you before, Bill, about uh, this. My advice to people always, and I say this to liberals and I say this to conservatives, is ignore things that he says and focus on what the outcomes are. Now, if you're a liberal, you're not going to like an awful lot of the outcomes that we've had. If you're a conservative, you will. But, but what the liberal, if the liberal wants to prevail, in my opinion, most successfully should do, is focus on building a base that doesn't like those outcomes as opposed to getting wild and crazy about the tweets because literally people don't pay too much attention to last year's tweets. It kind of goes out with the, with the newspaper and the old fish. And uh, it's, they pay attention to the new tweets. Uh, as we speak today, uh, which may not be tomorrow, uh, the, Trump's popularity levels are at 46%, his approval ratings. Um, if his approval ratings are at 46%, as I said in my Financial Times column of July uh, 9th, 2016, he'll lose the popular vote, but he'll get reelected. I mean, he, you know, he, if, if, as happened last time, as I depicted in that column in the Financial Times, if he loses the popular vote by 3%, he will get reelected President of the United States. Uh, that, that's just the way the math of the Electoral College works. That's the reason that liberals hate the Electoral College so much. Um, because it gives all of these places that are low population density states, lots of excess power it 's the same reason we have two senators from wyoming it 's the same reason that California wouldn't like the notion that we have two senators yeah. from Wyoming.:
0: Well, I, I, my view, John, to answer your question is, well, who knows, we're gonna get somebody that's somebody, but I'd rather have a continuation of what we're doing now on the policy front and just hope for the best. We're not gonna end up with a, the libertarian dream of a, you know, of a 19th century, 18th century got limited constitution government. So we gotta work with what we got. And I think he's, uh, and I do, I do think a president matters in the sense that he sets the tone for the country. And if you're a businessman and you're making decisions about allocating capital or doing something new, and you got somebody like an Obama, who's saying you didn't build that and who's changing the regulations. I mean, one of the things that's so bad about regulation is not just the fact of it, because entrepreneurs can work in a regulatory framework if you just hold it uh, steady. But what was happening was it was changing every week, every month, you got tax policy changing. And so if you're allocating capital, you don't know what the world's gonna look like.
2: I'm a bigger believer than most in uh, stock market. Yeah. And in its being more rational than most people think it is, because most people just think it's crazy, not perfectly rational, but more rational than most people think. If you look at the history of the S&P 500, which goes back uh, in a backdated sense to 1926, with only a few exceptions, uh, six of them, all of the negative years are in the first two years of president's terms, uh, which are negative about half the time. Hmm. And if you look at the history of American legislation... Most all of the big legislation goes through in those first two years because the president knows when he gets elected that his party is most likely, a la 2018, to lose relative power to the opposition party in the midterms. So whatever would be the toughest legislation for him to get through, if he doesn't get it done in his first two years, he'll never get it done in his back two years. So big legislation goes through, whether it's Hillary Clinton trying to get nationalized health care in... uh, 1993, or whether it's uh, the Affordable Care Act finally, or whether it's Dodd-Frank, all of these happen in the first two years of President's terms. They don't happen in years three and Hmm. four. Uh, And the way I depict that is that big legislation, going back to your point, is like all of life is a little bit like you're going to an obstacle course. but. Big legislation is like going to an obstacle course with big, sharp, fast-moving, swinging obstacles. Right. And the lack of legislation is like the obstacle course with the stationary obstacles. Mm -hmm. Which would you prefer? Mm -hmm. Somebody who will take risk much prefers the stationary obstacles, Mm -hmm. which is the lack of change in legislation, which is why markets which tend to pre-price have those negative first and second years because they actually know that that risk of big stuff is coming. And I, I think it's a perfect example of what you said, but I don't think it's uniform throughout the four years. But mm-hmm. uh, The talk that a president may give, whether it's President Obama or President Trump, is one that, um, well, I'll give you a landmark moment in, um, in um, my life, which was after Bill Clinton, had promised a middle-class tax cut in 92 uh, and then became president and said, i got to change course and increase taxes. And then they did income taxes. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, I have to pay that tax. All I got to do is make sure I don't make any income. There ain't no tax. And how do I do that? Well, I get a fat gross margin and I spend everything below the gross operating profit line on growth which is the exact same thing Amazon's done. It's the exact same thing Salesforce.com's done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and you say, this way, I don't pay any income tax and I can outweigh this. And people could outweigh Barack Obama. And my point to you, if you uh, like or dislike President Trump, is people can outweigh President Trump. That's the, that's, that's, if you like him, that's the bad news. If you don't like him, that's the good news. And the reality is, if you've got a view to build a business, you know, you said if you built this business, Trump, Obama made that point, you didn't build this business? Right. Well, d- d- despite that, if you've got the business, and it's yours, you can outweigh whatever president you got. What comes next, I don't know, but you can outweigh that one.
0: We've got to wind this up. This has been so interesting. I'm so Thank glad you're here. Thank you for you having me, Yeah, this fun. is
2: very interesting. And uh... you've got a great place here. A great, uh, great thing you're doing
0: yeah well i'm trying to bring interesting people into the world and you are one of the most interesting people i've met john any, any final uh, thoughts here uh y- you've been y- you've, you've been a witness to the prosecution does anyone who's
1: <laughs> watched me on the show before i always want to talk but uh, when ken's here i just like to listen i learned so much so I'm, I'm just glad to have been a part of this one
0: okay ken thank you thank it's been you fantastic
1: and uh hope we'll
0: have you back on because i think we could continue this for a while it'd be great great Thanks for joining.
2: Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.
1: Amazon is
2: hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage and start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites. And Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to amazon.com apply. That's amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.